Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cat Talk Radio. We're coming to you as an outreach program of Cat Behavior Solutions. Cat Behavior Solutions is a nonprofit dedicated to giving you expert feline behavior advice so that you can stop and prevent unwanted cat behaviors at home. You know, those annoying things like peeing and pooping outside the litter box, aggression and stuff like that. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Dewey Vaughn. Hey, Dewey. Hello, cat fans. And we are going to be talking today about training your cat And before we jump into that, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Brian Edwards Wealth Management. Brian is a good friend and expert at helping you manage your long-term financial goals. He has products with guaranteed lifetime income, and boy, who doesn't want that, right? So give Brian a shout out at brianedwardswealthmanagement.com, and that's Brian with a Y. He can help you buy more things to spoil your cat and feed them the best food in the world. So check Brian out. And I want to highlight our Cat of the Week this week because it ties into our topic of training. Our Cat of the Week is Spunky. He was a beautiful Russian blue chunky boy. He was at the Santa Fe Animal Shelter when I first met him, and he had a reputation for being quite the biter. He would get overstimulated very easily and bite the volunteers and anybody that came in to to see him, to think about adopting him. So I decided to train, and I trained him to come, sit, sit up, and high-five. And shortly thereafter, family came in and fell in love with him, and he was adopted. And he had been the longest resident at the Santa Fe Shelter. He'd been there almost a year. It it was amazing. So that's what training can do for your cat, and we're going to talk about that in more detail in a second. Another great cat story. And if you would like to have your cat featured on this show, please email us the details of your cat and the relationship with your cat. And you can email that to molly at cattalkradio.com. Okay, let's get this show on the road, as they say. Today, we're going to be talking to Molly about teaching your cat tricks. Wait, How does wait, that wait. work? Well, wait, wait. First, let's call them skills instead of tricks, please, because we're not exploiting your cats. This is for fun and enrichment. <laughs> okay, okay. Skills it is. Why should you train your cat skills then? How does that work? <laughs> it sounds like you're like on slow mo today, Dewey. Are you are you with us? <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure that I get the words right. Skills. We're training our we're teaching our cats skills and not training them. <laughs> well, I'm gonna give you five reasons that you want to train your cat skills. Um, the first being mental stimulation for your cat, not you, by the way. 
because well, actually it probably does provide a lot of mental stimulation for you too because it, it takes some real coordination and problem solving on your part as well. But in the wild, cats spend about six hours a day hunting and when we confine them to a life indoors, they get bored. Pure and simple, they're bored. If your cat is an indoor only cat, it's bored. And the more mental stimulation you can give your cat, the better it'll feel. And the better it feels, the fewer behavior problems you'll encounter. Well, wouldn't it just be good to let your cat outside for about six hours and roam around? They wouldn't be very bored at that time. Boredom is associated more with uh, them being outdoors hunting, right? I mean, if they're, if they're outside hunting, they're not bored? Well, yeah, that's, that's true. I suppose you could do that. But I'm, I'm personally not an advocate of outdoor feline roaming. I mean, obviously, if your cat's not spayed or neutered, that's going to lead to lots of more unwanted litters. It's estimated that there's about 80 million free-roaming cats in the United States, and we certainly don't, don't need more. But it also leads to a shorter lifespan for, by, for your cat by exposing it to disease and other predators. You know, the average lifespan for an outdoor cat's two to five years compared to 12 to 18 indoors. There's a lot of ways to get that kind of outdoor enrichment without just letting it free roam. Catios, for instance, um, as a matter of fact, there's a great company that's do-it-yourself catio plans. And uh, and if you go there, you can put in the promo code CATTALKRADIO, and they'll actually send us a 10% commission kickback to, to help benefit our nonprofit and efforts here. So check that out. Also, Prey Play is an excellent way to keep them you know, to, to keep them indoor cat simulated for outdoor activity, you know, leash walking, all kinds of great mental stimulation where you don't have to just open the door and let them go out. But, and so you do want to do all those things too, but there's something really magical that happens when you overlay all of that with training. There's, there's a lot of other benefits of training. And another one is, is confidence. That's the second reason I'd, I'd give you for why you'd want to train your cat new skills. You know, when a cat feels accomplished, when it successfully learns a behavior and receives a positive reinforcement for it, it feels accomplished, just like people. And when you accomplish something, it increases your self-esteem. And when your self-esteem increases, you feel empowered. And that sense of empowerment creates emotional satisfaction for your cat. It's just like managing people. You know, if your team doesn't feel like they've accomplished anything, morale's going to be low. And on the other hand, if your team feels like they've achieved a lot and they're high producers, will you have a higher self-esteem? Uh, yeah, it sounds like we're in an Anthony Robbins place talking about this. Anthony Robbins for cats. That's what it is. We are. I'm going to make you walk across the hot coals next. Yeah, high high achievement uh, comes from good self esteem. That's that's a good one. It's a it's a cycle. It's like a like a domino effect. You know, accomplishment equals you know self esteem gives you empowerment. It's like all these things fall in place for your cat and and increases their self-esteem and a and a cat with a high self-esteem is one with a whole lot less behavior issues. And another one is choice. You know, the third reason you'd want to train your cat skills is because you're giving them choices. And in the shelter this is really 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 important because cats coming into a shelter are put in a kennel and they've been stripped of all their choices. And so in a shelter setting, 
choice is, is huge. Choice is actually one of the 10 essential needs for cats. And without it, cats feel trapped and they'll emotionally shut down. Oh, wow. So what are the other nine essential needs? Um, okay, we can go there. doesn't have everything to do with training, but this is good information. So if you're listening, I want you to get a pen and a piece of paper. And I want you to write down vertically, because this is an acronym I made up, care for cat. Okay? So the 10 needs are the C is clean food and water. A Ability to release energy and stress. R, relieve boredom. The E, eliminate comfortably. The F and 4 is feel safe. O, opportunity to explore. R, reproduce. C, choices. A, affection. And T, a thorough prey play sequence. Those are the 10 essential needs that every cat needs and I made that cute little acronym for that care for cats that is very cute I like that I like that okay so there are five reasons to train your cat let's recap where we are so far one mental stimulation I got that two confidence three choice okay now what's number four Number four is my favorite, probably the most important one of all, enjoyment. It's so much fun for both of you, for you and your cat. You know, your friends will be amazed that, you know, that your cat responds to your requests willingly and that debunks those myths that cats are aloof and disengaged. It's really fun to, you know, in the middle of a dinner party go, hey, you know, spot, come, sit, sit up, high five, and everybody goes, what? No way, it's acting like a dog. (laughs) Well, that's for sure. Art Tabasco does that every time we have guests over, whether it's the front office that he's up front, and uh, he has, there's a bell up there that says uh, ring for cat help, and once that happens, he comes running down the hallway to see what he can do. Of course, there's treats involved behind that. And then also the dinner guest. Uh, he sits up, he does high five, and everybody's always amazed at what he does. He just is amazing in that way. It is. It's fun to, to show him, show off his advanced skills to our friends. They, they think he's amazing. And the, and the fifth reason is, is it strengthens the bond that you share You know, and that's so important. A strong bond between you and your cat can improve the emotional and physical health of both of you. There have been plenty of studies that prove that spending time with pets, and particularly cats, can improve your cardiovascular health, lower your heart rate and blood pressure, and cats purring, you know, does all kinds of amazing healing things. They actually think that it might extend to us in some osteoporosis type of of healing because cats purr and it strengthens their own bones and when we're holding a purring cat some of that may actually be happening to us so not that you're going to teach your cat to purr but that whole process of training really strengthens the bond between you and your cat a lot wow that's amazing i i never thought of it that way but i guess i could see where that might work so tell us about your experience in training cats well, I first, um, I guess, professionally got involved training cats while I was in school, getting my 
certification because I'm a certified feline training and behavior specialist. And the training part was all about, you know, teaching them primarily clicker training. We, we learn uh, classical conditioning and operant conditioning in school. And Tabasco was my test subject in school because, of course, all the students, you know, most of the students had cats or had access to cats. So our assignments were, you know, this week you teach your cat with these methods to do that. And then I started applying that in shelters, just like Spunky that we talked about earlier, our cat of the week in the Santa Fe shelter. And there was another cat in the, there's cats everywhere, but the Santa Fe shelter had another cat named Lucky that was confidently aggressive. She was living in the executive director's office because she couldn't be adopted and she would jump down from her perch, kind of trot over to you with the tail up, looking like she was just wanting to be pet. And she was this real pretty fluffy cat. So you couldn't resist but reach down to pet her. But oh my gosh, you'd come back with a bloody nub if you did. So we started training Lucky because she couldn't be touched, really, and um, and it was amazing. She did the most perfect straight up sit up. It it was it was awesome. She was fun. And then um, and then recently, just in this last year, I became a trainer mentor for Greater Goods Jackson Galaxy Cat Positive Program, and that's where we work with shelters all over the country, helping their staff and volunteers learn how to clicker train the cats in their care and that makes them much more friendly and and available for adoption and that is an awesome awesome program and if you're a shelter listening or someone who works for a shelter or have a a rescue with a, a brick and mortar shelter or cats in your care and you want to check out that Grant, you can actually apply for a grant to participate in that Jackson Galaxy Cat Positive program. And if you want to do that, you can email Cat Positive, and that's P A W S I T I V E, like positive. It's Cat Positive at greatergood.org. And the, uh, I think the next application window opens around September. So shoot them an email with your contact information and apply apply for that grant because that's that's an excellent excellent resource and gives you free access to a lot of great training material videos handouts and and trainer mentors that help your staff work through that program that's great good information so let's talk about training so is can you train at home or, or is all of this really done at the shelters can people really train their cats at home? Um, you can. You can train your cats at home. You can train at shelters. You can train in in foster care. You can, um, you know, you can train anywhere there's cats. Really, uh, you can train. You could really train ferals living in your backyard if you wanted to. You know, <laughs> and it, all the cats. It gives your cat you know choice, and and when they engage, they feel like they're in control. And giving them that control gives them confidence, which makes them a happier cat. So train cats anywhere, homes, shelters, streets, whatever. Okay, so let's talk about what skills then can a cat be taught. Um, Before we go skills, let me talk about the methods that we use. We use uh, two methods mostly. 
classical conditioning and operant conditioning. Um, classical conditioning is where your cat is conditioned to associate something with a sound. And we do it all the time unintentionally. Like when you shake a treat bag, the cat comes running. And I use classical conditioning to train Tabasco to jump up on the reception desk. We put that little bell and it says ring for cat help uh, next to it. And the way I did that was I rang the bell while I was giving him treats on the desk. And now if he's away in the back of the building and I ring the bell, he comes running and jumps up on the desk because he knows he's going to get a treat. And classical conditioning is also called Pavlovian, like uh, Pavlov's dog. Everybody's heard about that. You know, Pavlov rang a bell every time he fed his dog dinner. And then eventually all he had to do was ring the bell and the dog would salivate because he, he associated that sound with eating. So classical conditioning is pairing a sound with, or with something that happens. And then we use operant conditioning too. There are four quadrants of operant conditioning. Positive and negative stimulus are used to either increase or decrease desired behaviors. I only use the positive reinforcement quadrant in operant conditioning. So I reward the cat with something that the cat thinks is really, really awesome. And whether that's a food item or it could be, could be petting or it could be brushing, when they do the behavior that I want them to do. I don't punish bad behaviors or wrong behaviors. I just ignore them. So if the cat's not doing what I want it to do, I just ignore it and wait for them to do what I want them to do. And if they don't, then we move on and get back to it in another section. Session. We use a clicker in, in this kind of training, in operant conditioning, to signify what the behavior is that the cat's done. So if the cat sits, and we're trying to teach a sit, so let's say the cat sits, we click with the clicker, and then we deliver the positive reinforcement. Again, whether that's food or affection or brushing. And then eventually we add a verbal cue to that, and we call a behavior mastered when you can say the cue, and then the cat performs the behavior. So then I think you asked me, about what skills can be taught, right? Yes. So you can teach a cat um, pretty much anything, but you know the common ones we teach are come, sit, sit up, high five, wave, nose bump or a fist bump. We get them to jump through hoops, spin, roll over, get in a carrier. That's an excellent, excellent training tool for, for owners and shelter cats alike. Um, go to mat or go to bed. Um, we get them to weave through cones, run an agility course. Again, just about anything you can think of, you can train a cat to do. So how would someone go about doing it? What would they really need to get started and how does that really work? Well, they're going to need a, just a couple things to get started. First of all, you're going to need a clicker. Um, we like to use the softer sounding clickers, but I like to use a what's called a target click stick. And if you Google it on Amazon, you can find it. So that's a clicker usually with a handle, and then it's got an extended like telescoping pole with a, a little target on the end, usually a ball. The one I have is a, a bright green ball. And then you're going to need to figure out 
what your cat's most awesome, awesome, positive reward in the world is. You don't want to use the treats that you're using every day because you're still going to want to give treats, but you're going to, going to want to have something super duper special just for training. And you've got to figure out what that is. And it's awesome if that's a new thing that the cat's never tried before. So some of the things that we suggest trying are go to your uh, deli department and get shaved chicken. Get a low sodium, just shaved chicken, not smoked or anything weird like that. Get a little jar of chicken baby food. Just meat, no vegetables, no Grammy's pot pie, just chicken baby food. Try some freeze-dried meat treats for cats. You know, they make chicken ones, they make salmon ones. And then if your cat doesn't like any of those, as a last resort, try, you know, the canned cheese, like the cheese Whiz or whipped cream. Neither of those are very healthy for your cat. That's why we recommend trying some of the others first. And then you got to figure out what your cat likes most. So, you know, you give them those treats and you can always tell which one they just freak out about and go, oh my God, give me more of that. That's that's our high value reward. And that's what we want to want to want to use just for the training purposes. Okay, so that's great information. I think you could probably train me with some of that stuff. I probably could. I like it. Like that, to have some of that shaved chicken. chicken. That'd I be great. You, I could have you sitting up. Where's my clicker? I need my clicker. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be sitting up pretty good. Speaking of sitting up, how do you teach the cat to sit up, for example? Um, well, sit. At first, I try to teach sit before I teach sit up. And, um, and we use four training methods. We use capturing, targeting, luring, and shaping. So capturing is simply capturing the cat doing something that it normally does. So sitting is a good example. Cat normally sits. Um, so we will wait for the cat to do something and then click and reward every time it does that. Targeting is holding that click stick and having the cat touch it, either you know with a body part, nose, paw, tail, whatever. Luring is using that high value treat and and moving the cat because you've got that lure in your hand. And shaping is building upon uh, behaviors. So it's breaking behaviors down into little tiny baby step incremental things. We use that a lot for the really shut down cats in the shelter where they're so, so scared. They're afraid to even look at you. So sometimes we will get them to just look at us, which is just capturing them doing something. And then we'll shape getting out of that box they're hiding in and moving to the front of the kennel by encouraging them into little tiny steps along the way. And so sit, you would most likely teach by capturing, like I said, just watching them sit. And then every time the bottom hits the floor, you click and reward or by holding a treat. And as the cat's standing in front of you, you hold the treat back over their head, farther, farther, farther. Usually they won't turn around and follow your hand. Usually their head's going to go back. You want to hold it high enough where they can't just jump up and grab it. Their head will go back, and then they'll sit on the floor. 
as soon as they do that, click and reward. So where does the click stick thing come into play? So the, the click is actually a, a bridge. It's called a bridge to the reinforcer. And it's used to signify the exact moment that the behavior is performed so the cat isn't confused about what results in getting the reward. We think of this as a camera shutter. So the click sound is also consistent between trainers, and that is super important in a shelter setting. You know, we don't want to say um, use good boy because when I say good boy and you say good boy, it's going to sound entirely different to the cat. So we use the same clicker or the same kind of clicker with trainers because multiple people may be training a cat, and then there's consistency in that messaging as to when the cat you know, has done exactly what you want it to do. And timing is really important here because if you click late, you know, the cat doesn't know it was late. The cat thinks, oh, I, I heard that sound and then I got the reward. So the cat anchors in on the sound as the, the thing that designates what he's done that you want him to do again. And then I use a target stick with my clicker just because it's one last thing to juggle. You know, if I'm going to use targeting, I, I've got a clicker, then I've got the target, and then I've got the treats, and it's just too much stuff to juggle. So if you have a target stick with a click in one hand, that cuts down on the number of things that you're, that you're juggling. Wow. So that, does that mean you have to forever have to have a click stick to get the cat to do a certain skill? No, no, and, and the click is, is not the cue, so it's not like you, you don't click and then the cat does what it does. So what you're doing is the cat sits, you click, you reward, they do that about 10 times, and then you begin to add a verbal cue with that or a visual cue. So, you know, might use a, a finger motion or something or a wave or something to signify that at the same time I'm using sit as the verbal cue. So eventually you're going to fade out the click so that you just say sit and then the cat performs the sit. You don't have to keep clicking and rewarding in an advanced stage and, um, and in fact, that's when the cat has mastered the behaviors, what we call it, is when you say sit and the cat sits and then you reward. Okay. That sounds like uh, something I'm taking good notes on. Tell us about the targeting method. I like targeting. Targeting is probably my favorite method. So again, it's this little telescoping pole with a, a green ball on the end in my case. And it really works well with a lot of the shelter cats we work with because a lot of them are so frightened. You know, they're, they're reacting defensively and they can be very aggressive and you don't want to stick your finger in there and have the cat reach out and touch your finger because it's liable to take the end of it off. So you can put the target stick in there near the cat and sometimes we will, you know, coat that end of that target stick with, with catnip or tuna juice or, you know, I rub it sometimes in that shaved chicken, something to get their attention and to make them understand that it's, it's a friendly thing. It's not going to hurt them. So you hold it a couple inches in front of their nose. And then when they come touch their nose to it, you click and reward. 
it's a really good way to get the cat to move around because then you start moving that clicker stick just a little bit farther away, farther away. So they have to start taking a couple steps to it and then a few more steps. And then pretty soon you're five feet away and you hold that click stick and the cat comes running and touches his nose to it. You can, you can direct them through cones with a click stick. It's really great for teaching them up and down because you can do a click stick. I can tap it on a table or if a cat's up on a table and I want it to get down, I can hold it close to the floor and it'll jump down and touch it with its nose. And then I, um, I always um, use my finger. So as quickly as possible with a social cat, of course, I transfer that, um, that target stick to my finger. So I start making the target stick shorter and shorter and shorter until it's about four inches long. And then I'm, I'm holding my index finger out along the target stick. So it's at the end of the ball and they're used to then touching my finger. And then I, I get rid of the target altogether and I have them touching my finger. And that becomes a good visual cue. And that's real important. I, I really like teaching visual cues for all of these, especially where, where we are in Dallas. We get a lot of bilingual adopters in the shelter. And, you know, if I say come in English, that's not going to be done the same way if the cat gets adopted into a Spanish-speaking household. So if I teach the cat to come with my finger pointed straight to the ground and he comes running over and touches his nose to it, then that's something that can be replicated in a house no matter what language they speak. So I think visual cues are, are real important. So I try to target uh, first with a click stick and, and then transfer that to my finger as, as soon as possible. Okay, so luring. is What is luring? Uh, lure, do you lure your cat with treats to move them wherever you want them to? Uh, sounds like the click stick and the pointing and all of that kind of sounds like it's all boiling together. So what's the difference? <laughs> Is that because you're not paying attention over there? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just, I'm trying to follow it. I'm, I've got a little diagram going on here. <laughs> so luring is important for the cat that doesn't, doesn't trust the click stick, isn't paying any attention to that click stick, isn't going to have anything to do with it. Now, obviously, luring is something you do with a food-motivated cat because it's hard to lure a pet but, or, or affection to a cat. But you take that thing that they went gaga over, their high-value food reward, and you let them smell it. You hold it between your index finger and your thumb. And you, or in my case, I hold it between my middle finger and my thumb because that way I can use my index finger as a pointer to indicate whether I want them to come or whether I want them to sit or that helps me use that index finger as my verbal cue. So I hold that shaved chicken, let's say that's what makes the cat go crazy, and I let them smell that I have it and then I can move the cats. All They'll follow that chicken anywhere. They're, you know, they'll follow it to the ends of the earth for goodness sakes if they love the shaved, shaved chicken. So if I'm trying to lure the cat into a sit, I'll take that shaved chicken and hold it over their head towards their tail, and then they'll follow it with their nose, and as their head goes straight up in the air, their butt will hit the floor, and they'll sit. And if I'm training a cat to high-five, I'll hold that chicken 
a little bit higher than they can reach. And then a lot of times they'll be reaching for it with their paws. And then as soon as their paws make contact with my hand, we high five. Um, you can lure them into a, a spin, like into a circle. You can lure them through cones. You can, you can lure them just about anywhere. But it's real important. We don't consider a master behavior, a behave, sorry, a behavior mastered as long as the lure is still in place. So it's important that you fade the lure. So again, that's why I teach um, verbal cues and visual cues uh, mostly so that I can tell the cat to sit without the lure. Now, if I have a visual cue, like I'm pointing straight out with my finger, you know, perpendicular to the floor or horizontal with the floor is what I'm trying to say. And then, and I've got the lure between my middle finger and my thumb, then when I no longer have the lure, my hand position is still the same. And they're kind of tricked into believing I do. And uh, so it's important, you know, again, the, the behavior isn't mastered until I can say sit or show the visual cue without a lure then it's then it's mastered okay so what about shaping so shaping is a little more complicated and shaping can be one of two things shaping can be taking a basic um, like a basic behavior like sit let's say and breaking it down into little tiny incremental segments so (laughs) if the cat is starting to bend its legs into a sit, you click and reward. As it gets a little closer to the ground, click and reward. And then finally, as its butt touches, click and reward. So it's incremental. We also use shaping and we layer behaviors on top of one another. So for instance, I might teach a cat to jump through a hoop, then sit, then sit up, then high five. So as I would teach each of those behaviors by themselves, then I will string them together in a series of behaviors and that is also called shaping. I noticed that you're training our new foster, a little three-legged kitty with uh with with some, you know, obstacle with some issues having three legs. It's probably not quite as easy. Uh his name is Blueberry. What are you teaching him to do? I am teaching Blueberry to come. Um, yeah, that's the first thing I'm teaching him to do is, is come. Well, why did you start that? Well, because of Blueberry, because he, it was kind of a complicated case. He, he had to have a, one of his rear limbs amputated and his remaining limb was very atrophied and he wasn't used to getting up and walking and it was very, very sore, especially as he began to walk after the amputation you know, it got stiff and sore every time he got up. So exercise is really important with him. So I taught him um, mostly first with the target stick, just like I explained uh, while he was laying down. I had him smell the target stick, click and reward. Then I'd hold a little farther away. Once he kind of got the idea, I'd hold it four inches in front of him. So he'd have to lean really far and then eight inches in front of him. So he'd actually have to get up and touch it. And then I moved that to about two feet and then four feet. And then I switched to my finger so that he got used to touching my finger with his nose. And now all I have to do, and I put the verbal cue in, come, as he was doing that. 
And now all I have to do is put my finger down and say, Blueberry, come. And he comes across the room. And that's a good foundation for more movement behaviors. So now that I've taught him to do that, I can, you know, he'll, he'll be standing when he reaches me after I come. And now I can move him into a sit. Um, we'll see how I do with a sit up and high five, given that he only has one unsteady back leg. But, but it's a good foundation for, for more movement type behaviors from there. Well, so what's next for him? Well, I, I'm going to try sit. I think I think sit is is next for him. Although he does seem pretty comfortable using his paws, he reaches out and touches a lot. He uh, like he touches your tummy. We sit on the sofa mm-hmm. and we're watching TV. I'll have blueberry in my lap, and he'll reach over and he'll just lightly tap Dewey on the tummy. It is so cute. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does, and he is cute. So I was thinking maybe I don't know if I can if I can capture him using those paws more frequently I'll do high five otherwise I'm going to work on sit next and then I'll work on high five. So we've talked a lot about this training today. What if somebody wanted you to come and help them train their cats? Are you available to do that? Um yeah, sure, I would do that. I mean most of most of what I do is, is, of course, behavior consulting. And on a lot of my behavior consults, if I find that stress or pent-up energy is part of the problem contributing to whatever behavior is going on, I recommend that people learn to click or train their cat. And I give demonstration as part of a consult. But, but yeah, sure, if someone, if someone wants me to help them click or train their cat, I'm more than happy to come out set up what's going on in their house um, and then coach them through the process and demonstrate, you know, on site. And then, you know, we can do ongoing video meetings so I can watch you train your cat and coach you along the way and help you decide what behaviors to teach next. And uh, yeah, I'd be willing to do that. That would actually be fun. That's a good idea. So why don't we tell everybody how we can do that? How do they get a hold of you to do that? Well, they can email me at molly at cattalkradio.com and uh, tell me where you live and what you want to train your cat and probably why you want to train your cat. And it can be just because it's fun. (laughs) It's good for you both. I mean, that's a great reason. You want to amaze your friends. That works too. But yeah, just drop me an email and a line and, uh, and I'd be happy to help you train your cat. Well, that sounds great. Well, and I hope everyone takes advantage of that. And so that looks like it wraps up our show today. So any last words or thoughts, Molly? No, just that training your cat is, it is easy. It's a lot easier than than what I probably made it sound today. I know it's kind of confusing, especially in audio podcasts where you don't have any visual examples, but it, it is very, very easy. And it won't take long at all before your cat to get the, the hang of it. And you'll be amazed how quickly the cat goes, ah, I got this. And the other thing that's fun about training cats and, and very different from dogs. So when you train a dog, a dog wants to do behaviors you ask it to do because it has a social hierarchy and it sees you as the pack leader. So the dog always wants to do things that are going to please the pack leader. And so it does something and you smile and you click and you give it a reward and it goes, oh, that's awesome. And every time you ask it to do it, it's, oh, yes, yes, I want to please you. Whereas the cat, once he kind of gets this system down, he thinks he's trained you. 
So very quickly, he says, watch this. I know how to get treats. And he'll walk up and start sitting up. You've seen it in Tabasco when it starts getting to be dinner time. Yes, I have. (laughs) Yes, I do. Right? He'll come walking right up to you, sit down and sit up. And you know, okay, he's hungry, wants a treat. So they mentally think they're actually training you. And they they really dig that. And they think it's cool. So um, I think you'd be amazed at how quickly... It goes and how easy, how smart cats are. My gosh, they're just amazing little learners and they catch on so quickly. And it's it's just cool. So much fun. And you can do all kinds of useful things. You know, once you get the basics, you know, the come sit, high fives, that kind of stuff. You know, again, you can teach a cat to go into a carrier. Somebody is using the uh, verbal cues safe for carrier and that's real important in, a, in an emergency. You know, first of all, you leave your carriers out in the home so that the cat's always familiar with them. And if you have a top-loading carrier, which I recommend, leave it out with the top open. I use like a little bungee cord to keep the top propped open. I, I tie the bungee cord on the top and then into the holes on the side of the carrier. And then same thing with the door. So it's always open. And then I'll lure the cat into the carrier either by tossing a treat in there or with the target stick so that they're very comfortable and then you put the verbal cue safe of going into the carrier and if there's ever a a weather emergency or your house is on fire or something is happening and you need to get the cat to safety you can yell safe and they run into the carrier that's an excellent excellent skill and you can also teach them to put on harnesses for leash walks you know, you that's done by shaping into small steps since that's usually a succession of steps. You, know, you teach them to first, you know, lean their head into the hole of the harness, the first one, and then pick up a paw and stuff like that. That's also an, an excellent thing. You can teach them to uh, endure getting their paws trimmed. That's a really good clicker training skill. If you have a cat that gets freaked out by nail trims, takes a while that one that one takes a while but you absolutely can do it so there's lots of not only fun things but very useful things you can train cats so i strongly suggest you train your cats and if you aren't confident doing that give me a shout and i'll i'll come help you for sure all right well that wraps up our show today so we we want to say to everyone live on and purr on no, keep calm and purr on. Oh, that's Dewey, it. Dewey's like <laughs> off today. I think he's he's got about elevators only going to about the sixth floor today, honey. <laughs> he's been suffering from allergies, so you'll have to oh, excuse yeah. him. But keep calm Real and purr bad. on. Keep calm and purr on and all those other great things. <laughs> Everybody have a great week, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at the next podcast. Thank you. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. 
Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.